0: Okay, today we're going to talk about God's plan for redeeming the world. And, um, you know, uh, as a sports nut that I am, um, you know, I I didn't realize this until about, I don't know, three weeks ago, or maybe it's been about three months, but sometimes this year, that golfers actually will plan out how they can win the tournament. I mean, they'll like analyze each hole and decide, okay, I'm... I mean, I probably can always get a birdie on this hole, and this one—it's oh, a little challenging. I'll probably just count a par for this, you know, and figure out what what is what do I need, and then also compare to what the other guys are doing, knowing them so well. They'll plan a strategy of what they need to do and how they need to to win the game. You know, football teams, football season starting, yay, and and um,
1: <laughs>
0: and then um, uh, you know, football play, football teams will plan out their offensive their first 20 uh, to 30 offensive plays, starting the game out. This is what we're going to do. And these are the plays we're going to do. I mean, they have a strategy of how to win the game. And in the same way, the Lord has a strategy about how to redeem the world. And we are integral parts of making that happen, which is kind of scary in a lot of ways. Let's go to Psalm 119. I know you're shocked that we're in Psalm 119, but Psalm 119, we're going to do 73 through 80 today. And, um, I, uh, I'm excited about, I'm excited about, I'm always excited about all the lessons, but I'm really excited about this one. So let's read, beginning with verse 73. Your hands have made and fastened me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love, you know, you love verse 75. I mean, like, you know, that i your rules are righteous and that in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your, let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they've wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. And may my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. I want to first, The first point today is God created us to work. God created us to work, and um, verse seventy-three: Your hands have made me and fashioned me. And I think it's important for us to um, to just get an understanding that uh, you know God did just create us just to to hang out and um, work was good from the beginning. Um, flipping over to Genesis um, verse two, I mean chapter two. I mean this was I mean this is pre-fall, pre-sin. Genesis two five says. Um, uh, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had, caused, had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground so his plan was even before the fall of, of man even before sin he planned for man to work the ground for him to have a job I mean this was agricultural it wasn't like he was going to go be an IT specialist I mean his job was to be to, to work the ground so from the very beginning work is not a bad thing um, but then the curse made it hard. The curse is what made the work so hard, flipping over to 3, 16 and 17. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and shall bearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire should be, that's why we have PMS and why we cramp and all that stuff. It's all part of that. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, and so that's where we get into the struggle with submission to authority. Because then we want to rule over the authority that we have. Verse 17, and to Adam, he said, this is really where it kicks in with work, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. So there was no thorns and thistles. There was no weeds. There was no battle and, and and, you know, you had to work. You still had to sweat. And, um, and who's had, you know, who's had those good days where you really have worked hard outside and done some manual labor or even inside? And it just feels good at the end of the day. You've seen something, you've accomplished something, it feels good. Work is good. But what happens is once the fall fell in then sin entered the world, and really it's the truth for most of us, if it wasn't for the people we work with, you know, work would be great. I mean, but it's always... <laughs> <laughs> really you know the actual work of doing the work who are actually doing what our job description says i mean we really we really like that we that's really good, but then, our flesh, either because we want to kick against the goat and don't want to submit to whoever our boss is or the people that we work with are, are drama city or they're procrastinating i mean I just last week last last week somebody talked to me about it um, they had i mean they'd been planning this thing for months, and everybody kind of need to you know, do the right order, and as long as he did what he was supposed to do, and she did what she was supposed to do, and he did what he was supposed to do, then it was all going to work out. And then one person didn't do what he was supposed to do. And it just kind of threw a wrench in the whole works. And they worked it out, and they balanced it all out, and it was a test for her to figure out, you know, hey, am I going to freak out here? But, man, it's the people that get into it that gets become so challenging. Okay, this is is a quote from Albert Einstein. I'm going to put it on the board to help remember it just a little bit. Okay, if A equals success, um, the formula for this then is A equals X plus Y plus Z. Where X is work, Y is play, and Z is keeping your mouth shut. I mean, that's really what it is. Really, lots of times in success, we just need to keep our mouth shut sometimes. And, but in work, it can be so challenging. And that's mean you don't know a doormat, but you know what I'm saying. Well, what does that mean keep your mouth shut, though? Keep your mouth shut. I mean, I think just, I mean, it's kind of, uh, we don't have to necessarily make the snide common underneath our breath. We don't necessarily have to, you know, um, be, uh, just put a guard over our mouth is how I would really, the quote, the, the scripture that I would say on that, is just watch what comes out of our mouth. And, um, and we can really have success. But it does take work and play. And we are working a whole lot more than we're playing, I think. And and um, and I realize that I really I'm a I'm a work hard, play hard. When I'm working, I want to work. I mean, I don't want to really have a whole lot of visiting, and you know. And I love visiting. I love to visit, but don't I, don't let me visit when I'm working. I mean, I'm working. Let's get her done. Let's get the job done, and then let's go have coffee. But you know, you know, you work a little bit, then they want to sit and visit a little bit, and then it's like, well, if we would just work through our visiting, and you know. But that 's me. another quote is um, from Oscar Wilde, and this is really truthful: Once we enter when we have bad days and, at work, the best way to appreciate your job is to imagine yourself without one. Oscar Wilde said that I mean the best way to appreciate your job is imagine yourself without one. I think I mentioned this um, a friend of mine in, in Nashville, which i mean i mean it 's not like this big metropolis kind of thing when I mean, we see homeless people in the corner all the time begging but um, in Nashville there was a woman dressed in a suit, um, heels, hair done, and she was holding a sign and she said, um, this could be you. You know, and then she was begging, I mean, she had obviously lost her job. I mean, we are, it is, in our world today, man, I mean, I mean the political, <laughs> work in the political world, you know, even more so. I mean, you know, it's, things change. I mean, I have a friend that works in the tax office at Harris County and, you know, they know that there's gonna be a new tax commissioner coming in and, he's going to be gone. He, don't even, he knows he's, he's going to be gone. And so he's already in that process. So imagine the, the best way to appreciate your job is to imagine yourself without one. Um, and this is true, too. The only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. For us to be successful, it's going to take work. I mean, it is, it is, there is no free ride. There's nothing easy. I mean, it's, it's go, it takes, I mean, I W O R K. it takes work. And lots of it. And lots of it. And we, and we want to be better and more efficient at it and all that stuff, but it just, it takes work. And you've you got to, some of it, I have a friend that's going to, um, he's from South Carolina and he's 22, 23 years old and he just got an internship in D.C. at um, some senators, a senator, one of the senators from South Carolina. And he's going up there and he's probably getting a stipend of, you know, $330 for the entire month. You know, no housing, I mean, nothing. I mean, he's, he's on his own. It's just totally a stipend. And And um, he's going to go work like a dog for 90 days. And it's kind of like you're just doing your dues. I mean, you just have to do that. You got to do your dues and give your your work in that. And um, because it's worth it at the end. And I think this is the last quote is um, happiness is an attitude. We either make ourselves miserable or happy and strong. The amount of work is the same. Happiness is an attitude. We either make ourselves miserable or happy and strong. The amount of work is the same. We're still going to have to get it done. We're still going to have to do whatever it is and push through and go from there. So, I think the first step, as I see it, is God's planning for redeeming the world was that He created us to work. And so, um, that work might look like ministry. That work, and even within the work, there is, even within the ministry, it's work. It's still hard. Ask any of our pastors, anybody that's even in full time ministry, or even in the volunteer it's still work. I mean, it's still dog work, you know. I mean, yesterday, as uh, I was up here helping Melinda, and there was a lot of other people moving furniture and setting stuff up. But, you know, Stephen Murray was up here. Chad Ham was up here, all leadership in the, in the church, putting up signs, you know, arranging, filling up brochures, switching out old Sunday Bible study stuff and putting new Sunday Bible stuff in there. I mean, it was work. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen. The second point, not only has God created us to work, but number two, God loves us enough to change us. God loves us enough to change us. Verse 76. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. So let your steadfast love comfort me. So that means there's going to be discomfort. And usually discomfort for us the most comes through change when we have to change things in our lives. Um, Romans 8 28. It's a verse that you know you hear 28 quoted all the time. Um, but we don't always do 29. And and this is what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, so this is why. Why it is all things work good? for or because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The reason why all things work out to good in God's eyes, let me go back, in God's eyes what all things working out for good is? Being transformed into the image of Christ. Is being conformed into the image of Christ, being changed into the image of Christ. Um, Max Licato was the first one that I heard actually use this quote. Um, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He loves you just the way you are. And this is really, and this is hard for me to get, and this goes back to the, this is the balance between the work and and the reality of who it is. This is a quote from, um, I'm going to use two quotes today, but this is the first quote from Just Like Jesus, one of Max Licato's books. God loves you just the way you are. If you think his love for you would be stronger if your faith were, you're wrong. If you think his love would be deeper if your thoughts were, uh, were, you're wrong again. Don't confuse God's love with the love of people. The love of people often increases with performance and decreases with mistakes. Not so with God's love. He loves you right where you are. To quote my wife's favorite author, which obviously is him, God's love never ceases. Never. Never. Though we spurn him, ignore him, reject him, despise him, disobey him, he will not change. Our evil cannot diminish his love. Our goodness cannot increase it. Our faith does not earn it any more than our stupidity jeopardizes it. God doesn't love us less if we fail or more if we succeed. God's love never ceases. And I think we, we can sometimes get that confused. and Because we as ourselves will do that. I mean, we, you know, and and I... People, even friends, will do something that is just really hurts us or offends us. And, you know, I mean, we definitely don't like them as much as we did before. You know, but God's love never changes. It's unfailing. And it's steadfast. And he loves us just the way we are, but he refuses to leave us this way. And so what he wants to do is come in because he loves us and change us and transform us. First he created us. Sin happened. And now he's like, okay, now i got to work with this. i got to change you guys and make a difference in that. And then number three, the third point here. God afflicted us to bear more fruit. God afflicted us to bear more fruit. I feel like I've talked a lot about affliction, and I hope that's not any precursor to um, to the fact that maybe we're all going to suffer some <laughs> some some afflictions in our lives. But He does afflict, and it's, again, I stopped here when I was reading it. In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. God afflicts us in His faithfulness. John fifteen one and two, and I think this is important. This is in um, about pruning. And I almost started to just go off and do a. Um, and I'm almost done. We're going to get out early. Um, John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Um, Bruce Wilkinson, after he wrote The Prayer of Jabez, which was. You know, an international bestseller. You know, we probably all bought it, whatever, 10 years ago. It's been, it's been a while now, probably 10, close to 10 years ago. And we loved it, expanding our borders. And just really, it was, it was very encouraging, very positive, and, and, and truth. I mean, nothing wrong with it. It was absolutely truth. And it was amazing, you know, how that prayer of has spread across the nation, around the world. The next book he wrote after that was um, Secrets of the Vine. That talked about pruning and talked about discipline. That book didn't quite get the um, international renown (laughs) as the prayer of Jabez. Because we don't like this part. I don't like the pruning. I don't like the discipline. I don't like the cutting away. And, um, huh? That's a good part. But it is. (laughs) It's a good part. And the thing is, and we need to be mindful of this, is that pruning and discipline, you know, pruning to bear fruit, or pruning because we've been disobedient, you know, and he's got it cut stuff away. They look the same. Some of the same things happening, whether they're financial difficulties, whether they're relational difficulties, whether they're social difficulties, you know, whether I mean, again, starting my own business, there's a whole trust issue that's going on there. Is it because of discipline? No. I think he wants to make me trust him more. You know, what I realized this week is, I'm okay. I finally got to the point that if we make a three-year plan, it's okay to change the plan. <laughs> Because I was at a point that I didn't, you know, yeah. we made the plan. Do the plan. <laughs> I'll talk to you in 36 months. I mean, we got the plan. I don't understand why would this change? And if something changes, What like, went well, wrong? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did I, do what did I do wrong? Absolutely. Well, now I think what he wants me to do is is to not even have a plan. <laughs> just up and go. Yeah. Just get out the next morning. See what's on the schedule. Listen to the emails. Respond to what's going on. You know. I mean, it's just like. Okay, all right. <laughs> so that's right, and this is pruning. It's pruning, because he really does want us to just get, well, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Yeah. Lord, what do you want me to do this next <laughs> moment? And what do we have for lunch? You know, I got, you know, the entire month planned out. You
1: know what the function of a real servant is? To sit yeah. at the door and wait for instructions.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the, the movie, of, uh, Howard's Inn. I didn't Was see Howard's that. In? Remains of the day. Remains of the day. anybody seen that with yeah. Anthony Hopkins? It's about an old uh, estate in Britain, and the whole story is not about what happens at the estate. It's about the servants, mm-hmm. you know, and how their what their life is like. And when I watch that, I think you know that is the image of a true servant. Mm-hmm. Not to question what your master mm-hmm. is doing or what his motives are, just to do what he says to mm-hmm. do and sit mm-hmm. at the door and mm-hmm. wait.
0: Until I watched last night. Um, because I was tired, so I, I didn't, I ate, but I didn't overeat, so that's good. But, you know, I pulled the TV out and watched this two weeks of hell. You
2: pulled the TV
0: out? I pulled the because th- I don't keep, it? well, it's, it's yeah, the, mo- it's in the, because I just used my computer monitor. I don't even have a TV. I pulled, I have to pull the cable out from behind the thing. But, you know, so there's some effort here in this, so that I just don't, you know, because I'm an, I'm an addict. I control my TVs, okay? I freely admit I'm an addict, and so, um, but sports season's coming up, and so i got to have it for football season. So, I mean, that's, you know. But I went for a when I first came to Christ, he had me throw away my TV and my VCR. That was back when there was VCR. I mean, I just couldn't do it, you know. And not that I was watching even junk, but he said, I just, you know, take a bubble bath and go to bed at 9 o'clock. You know, and this was in the East Coast where you'd stay up till 11. I mean, anyways, so I pulled the TV out and um, flipped through the channels and um, – and I used to love all the CSI and NCIS and Law and Order. I loved all you know, but it's like people are killing people and it's weird killing and there's some sexual deviant and all that. I'm like, I just don't want to experience that right before I go to bed. You know, I used to love it, you know, now I didn't have any problem before going to bed. Now I'm being convicted about that, but a little bit more pruning. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, and it goes back to the servant and what me think about it, was Two Weeks of Hell, and it talks about the um, assessment process that Green Berets go through to to become a Green Beret. You know like 250 which is like I don't, I I mean I don't understand that. Put yourself through literally two weeks of hell, sleep deprived you know, just physical exhaustion you know so you can wear a Green Beret. But I'm grateful. I am so grateful but it is a totally different different mindset. But one of those, you know, honor, integrity and obeying, following directions. I mean, that is one of their top things that when an officer tells you to do it, you do it. Unquestioning, you do it exactly as, as what it was. And that's a level of, um, of, a, of, of course, the, the, the perspective Green Beret, or ultimately when he becomes a Green Beret, his, you know, I'm going to do it. But it's also a huge trust in who the leadership is. And you start questioning the leadership, then you start really, you know, you don't want to do this crazy. You know, how is this the, really the best thing? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And, that, and really, that is what the Lord calls of us, is to, um, to be a servant and to watch his hand and do what we're supposed to do. But anyways, only in our heart do we know, is this pruning or was this discipline? In our heart we know yeah, this is, I'm going through this because of discipline. And um, and not and God, you know, his wrath, of, his wrath was, was taken. You know, we're not suffering the wrath of God when he disciplines us, but he wants us to remember, you know, and And I can tell you, I can think back in times in my life when the Lord said, don't do that. And I did it. And he said, okay. And I suffered a little consequences. And then I came back around. And he said, "Mm, the answer's still no. (laughs) And so then I do a little, I dabble in it. And so then the consequences get bigger. Because we've grieved his heart. We greet his heart, and he wants us to learn first obedience, first command. Don't do it. Okay, I trust you. Don't do that. And then the consequences. And then the longer I go in disobedience, the greater the consequences. And how I always talk about it is it's like the credit card. You know, it's fine using a credit card. Nothing ungodly using a credit card. But, man, you start racking up interest on that, and the longer you go between the purchase and the payment is the greater the consequence of interest. Bottom line. Jesus paid the principle for us. He absolutely wanted have paid the principle on the cross for us. And if we immediately obey, we have no consequences. No consequences. But when we start, and it's like if you get saved at 7, man, the consequences of your sin are totally different than when you get saved at 27 or 47 or 57 because I have gone 27 years of not even making minimum payments, you know. And isn't it interesting now on credit cards, the new regulations that cause, they have to print on the um, credit card statements, um, you know, if you make the minimum payment on this, you know, $10,000 debt, it will take you 28 years to pay this debt off and you would have paid X number of percentage in interest, you know. I think it's funny because most people get online statements now and they actually don't even, yeah, they have it even set up probably, I know that I have my, my my Visa card, I have it automatically paid every month, just hit my my, um, just whatever the balance is, I have it paid off. I have it paid, but you know, you could also say just pay the minimum payment, and so they never and don't send me a bill. I mean, so people can be so clueless about really what what they really have.
1: You know what that's like. If you're only making the minimum payment on your credit card, it's like chewing something over and over and mm. over, and you never get
0: to swallow it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. I can hear them. So, anyways, God afflicts us to bear more pain, I mean to bear more fruit. Um, he creates us. Um, so that because he wants us to work and it 's okay to work, and then um, he comes along and um, loves us and starts changing us, and how he changes that is often through afflictions and the sooner we respond to those corrections, the less the afflictions are going to be. The, um, now we get down to what we get to do, what we get to do in this redemption plan um, and number four and actually, did I leave both of them? I could not decide. Yeah, I could not decide which point I wanted to use on this one, so I just decided I'd use both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we must meditate to keep our focus. Verse 70, 78, we must meditate to keep our focus. It says, let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate under precepts. So, you know, when the insolent, when those that are challenging you, when then you get the rebukes coming on, we've got to stop and meditate, chew on, think about, it, and meditate is even to talk about his precepts. And, um... For us to keep focus, I mean, we can get all caught up in the negative talk that's out there. Man, we, I mean, we don't. We, the only way we can keep off, the only way we can, we're either going to focus on the negative or we're going to focus on his precepts. I mean, those are the two things, and to do that, we've got to meditate. I love that. And then the first, the second part of verse 73 says, "Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments." So we must learn his commandments. We've got to meditate on his precepts, and we've got to learn his commandments. And um uh, some of you ladies, I think all of y'all know about it, but the master's program, I taught a second class this past Thursday, and Ellen, who's in our class, she, took, she was there on Thursday, and um, uh, I, we joked about, you know, when you leave Becky's Sunday school class, you always know the biggest, the most important thing is to have a daily quiet time. I mean, it's like, that's all I ever talk about, and that's what it is. And that really, that's, I mean, I'm not even, I don't even have a scripture, I have nothing on point for, other than, the only way we're going to learn his commandments, the only way we can meditate on his precepts is if we have a daily quiet time. I mean, it's just, it's, it just is what it is, and we don't need to spend any more time talking about that on that. So first, we've got to meditate, keep our focus, and learn his commandments. So God's changed us. He's created us. He's changed us. He's shown us that, hey, work is great. I want you to serve. You know, hey, I'm going to have some challenges that are going to come in, your, in life. You want to change? And so what I need you to do is I need you to learn the word. I need you to know what my commands are. I need you to know what my precepts are. And then the next thing is, is you must testify before others. We must testify before others. Verse seventy-four: Those who fear you, those who fear you, see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. So folks are looking at you; they see you, and as believers, they look at your life and they say, "Man!" And they have joy because they're excited about what God's done in our lives. And um, because I've hoped in your word, how are they going to know that you've hoped in your word unless you testify for that, unless you share for that? Um, verse forty—I mean, Psalm forty—just a couple of chapters over, well, seventy, but. First, uh, Psalm 40, verse is one of my favorite Psalms. This is my life, except the first part of the verse. It, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And really, he's the one that waited patiently for me, I think. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He did hear my cry. And he drew me up from the pit of destruction, of my own making, by the way, out of the miry bog, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That, I want to live a. I know the first part of that's true. I know that He inclined His ear to me and He heard my cry and He took me out of a a mog, a muck, a mire, a pig's pit that I created with my own two hands. Dug it all by myself. And I was stuck in there and He came and He jumped in that pit with me as soon as I cried. He pulled me out and He Put me on a solid rock foundation, which was Jesus Christ. And he put a new song in my heart. I mean, just, you know, I, um, I finally have gotten to the point after listening to it about 20 times. We will remember, you know, the works of the Lord. We sing it in big church every once in a while. And these past, I've really listened to it a lot. And I've started my runs this past, this past week. Four, all four of my runs, I've started my runs this week listening to that song. And I'm on the treadmill and I don't sing it out. I just mouth it because I don't want to, you know. And I, it's blaring in my ear and I'm, you know, and I'm crying. I mean, you know, it's hard enough to breathe and, I mean, to run and sing at the same time. But then you're crying. Because, I, you know, I remembered when he called out my name. And he delivered me. He's our redeemer. He's our liberator. Man, he has put a totally new song. I'm a different person today than I was 18 years ago. Almost to the, I mean, it's this month. I'm celebrating my spiritual birth this month. I can't remember exactly what day it was, but um, this is when he this is when he heard my cry, and he put he set my feet on a solid rock. So I want the last part of three to be true that many will see, and fear, and put their trust in the Lord, not in Becky. Put their trust in the Lord. Man, if they can do that, she can. If the Lord can do that to Becky's life, holy smokes, what a difference! And um, I wanted to say something. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Not
0: meditating and testifying.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to make the story as short as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hate to always. Bring everything back to politics because it's, it's most Monday. Yeah. Um, but everybody knows Quanel X, right?
1: Mm
2: <laughs> hmm. X. And um, I don't like Quanel X. And I wouldn't <laughs> say don't like Quanel X. I was in a discussion with someone that was, I mean, very a strong leader. His views were, you know, he sat down with Quanel and uh, we got a big debate at the office. Hmm. Huge debate. Hmm. Because to me, Quanel is the opposite of what God. Yes. stands for
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know the person that I was debating with was like well you know you can't put religion in it but in everything you do you have to put religion yeah. in it because that's the purpose in which why we were created mm-hmm. because if that wasn't the case if I don't put religion in it then it's own it, it's done by own man on doing own will and to gain own glory mm-hmm. so therefore it's contradicting contradiction what God said so, long story short... Or any religion, any God, any, any religion. You don't have
0: to do Christianity. Any, any religion. Anything it's, that's yeah. different,
2: yeah. It's, just, it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we just went back Because back, I kept coming. I was like, you know, you know, with scriptures and scriptures. But it's because of the meditation, the mm-hmm. time with God, and it's um, being the testimony that, you know, I could have said, you know what, yeah, I hear his view. You have a valid view. Cool, great. But instead I was like, you know what, God, this doesn't sound right. And I'm not going to just be. I'm just. I'm not just going to sit here and just listen and say, "Okay, yeah, I hear you. you I respect you. That's good. That's good." But at the end of the day, that's wrong. Yes, yeah, right. right. You know, that's wrong. That's right. I mean, God doesn't want um, people to constantly keep talking about black-white, black-white, which yeah, drives yeah. me crazy. Right. Right. You know, get over it, move on. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, it's no so like, wonder we have division. Yeah. and We keep forcing a division. And, and and I think if this I'm individual keeps doing that, yeah.
0: Yes. It, that's contradicting yeah. what
2: God. Yeah. That what, what God wants yeah. people to be. He wants right. us all to come together, and He wants yeah. us. Remember when they when they when they build the um, the building the tower about the tower, uh, the tower mm-hmm. and He made them all have different languages. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, this yeah. is wrong, y'all. Y'all yeah. have the same view. But I mean, it was uh, it was a really good debate, yeah. and I think uh, that leader had a great respect for me that's after good. that, yeah, um, for that. But you know, it's just confirmation because every time I talk to people, my spiritual walk, like you say, you, you, you confide and say, well, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I'm just like, oh, no, no. Yeah. know." Like, no, 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 no. This is yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. No. I had it here for a week. Right. So and you can have right. it.
1: Yeah. That's what it means to be salt and light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you just had a nice conversation or a good debate, mm-hmm. but you left it without stating what the truth is, mm-hmm. then it's just empty words. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really go anywhere. Yeah. It's par- it perishes. Right.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And that's where it coming in and knowing when to keep your mouth shut and when not to keep your mouth okay. shut. Because there's probably, <laughs> yeah. absolutely, and it's, it's telling what that. that. No, that and you, you had right. a good discussion. It was reasonable. Right. It wasn't like right. you guys, right. Right. you know, got mad. at, or you It know, might have been right. heated. Right. It was a heated discussion, I'm sure, but it wasn't. Right. Yeah, it was passionate. It was
2: definitely heated. Yeah, exactly. This is my last one, This is my last point. My last point. So you, okay. can't you, well, you can't get the it's last wrong. point. I'm going to get the last point here on this. The scriptures said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that you knew the scriptures.
0: So you knew that God had changed your life. But the only way you could, re- you couldn't just say, well, you know, the Bible says, yeah. you know, different than that. Well, where? What does it say? You know, I and mean, you couldn't say, well, yeah, I'm going, the scriptures. there you go. <laughs> Bring it on. It's like, no, 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 I love, you love it. I but
2: no, the Bible says you know better, you do better. And if you yeah. don't do better,
0: then that's constant. It's sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
2: So you're telling me you,
0: he knows that he's doing wrong? That's, that's even a bigger. That's problem. even worse. Yeah, that's even I better. mean, if he was but just stupid, it would be yeah. one thing, but I it. was just not. I'm going to write that down.
2: If you know better,
1: you do better. Yeah. And if you don't do better, you will suffer,
0: consequences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, in James it says, you know, to, to know and not do is sin.
2: Right? right. And it's like. Now,
0: if you don't know. What I if was, you
2: don't know. If you don't know, then God won't cause you. He won't punish you for it because you didn't know. He won't know. But once you have heard and seen
0: and you've yep. been taught and mm-hmm. you don't do better, you will, you will suffer. My mentor, Linda Rogers, she, um, she taught this. It was about eight hours. It would go Friday night from about 6 to 10 and then Saturday from 9 to 4. Teaching on biblical womanhood. A lot of what I teach, especially the Titus 2 when I did all that was a lot of her stuff. I mean it's God's stuff, but I learned it from her. And she would at the beginning of Friday morning, she would say, I mean Friday afternoon, Friday evening when we'd start the class, you know, and you know, we'd do praise and worship and she'd get up there and you know be all cute and all that stuff. And she'd say, Now, I'm just telling you girls, if you're not gonna do what I teach you this weekend, it might just be best for you to pick up your purse and walk out of here. Because if you know and you don't do it's a whole lot worse than if you just don't know. You can go on and be ignorant if you want, you know. But you just might want to pick up your bag and walk out of here. And I decided thought that is such—it's the truth. I mean, it's a good warning from a teacher. Listen, I'm about to teach you something you might not want to know, you know. And you don't change, and that's—I mean—that's my heart here. You know, I've said it a thousand times. You know, I'd rather have three folks that are going to listen and say, "Hey, I'm going to go apply this or think about it or change," you know, than have a thousand that, you know. That just came for, you know, entertain and fill your, you know, your, pre, your sermon note, notebook or whatever. Anyways, another quote, and this, is, this really convicted me. So you know how I like to convict others if I get convicted. It's, this is also from <clears throat> Max Licato's book, Just Like Jesus. And it says, what if for one day Jesus were to become you? What if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule, Your boss becomes his boss. Your mother becomes his mother. Your pains, excuse me, become his pains, with one exception. Nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change. Your circumstances don't change. Your schedule isn't altered. Your problems aren't solved. Only one change occurs. What if for one day and one night, Jesus lives with you and lives your life with his heart? Your heart gets the day off, and your life is led by the heart of Christ. His priorities govern your actions. His passions drive your decision. His love, that's my problem, directs your behavior. (laughs) What would you be like? Would people notice a change? Your family, would they see something new? Your coworkers, would they sense a difference? What about the less fortunate? Would you treat them the same? And your friends, would they detect more joy? How about your enemies? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart than from yours? And you, how would you feel? What alterations would this transplant have on your stress level? your mood swings, your temper. Would you sleep better? Would you see sunsets differently? Death differently? Taxes differently? Any chance you'd need a fewer aspirins or sedatives? How about your reaction to traffic delays? Ouch, that touched a nerve. Would you still dread what you're dreading? Better yet, would you still do what you're doing? Would you still do what you plan to do for the next 24 hours? Pause and think about your schedule. Obligations, engagements, outings, appointments, with Jesus taking over your heart, would anything change? Keep working on this for a moment. Adjust your lens of your imagination until you have a clear picture of Jesus leading your life. Swap, snap the shutter and frame the image. What you see is what God wants. He wants you to think and act just like Jesus. God's plan for you is nothing short of a new heart. If you were a car, God would want control of your engine. If you were a computer, God would, would claim the software and the hard drive. If you were an airplane, he would take his seat in the cockpit. But you are a person. To God, what God wants to change your heart. But you were taught to be made. You. But you were taught to be made new in your hearts to become a new person. That new person is made to be like God, made to be truly good and holy. Ephesians 4:23 and 24. The good thing I love about this class and knowing you ladies is I do. I know that probably 20, 21, maybe even 22 hours of the day, not much is going to change. But we all have those one, two hours a day. You know, I thought about. I canceled my Vonage phone service, and you know, the lady call. I called the lady. You know, I you know pushed twelve, and you know, finally got through to the person, and and wanted to cancel, and I knew I wanted to cancel, and I wasn't going to have my mind changed, and I knew that you know I was didn't want to go through the spiel, and um and her name was Janice, and she said and. And she starts to give me the spiel. Well, you know, you can, you know, we can do it for as little as, you know, $2.99 a month or whatever. I mean, some ridiculous. And it's like, I don't want the service, Janice. You know, I don't want it. Cancel my service. And she said, you don't have to scream at me. So then I wanted to scream, you know. But I, you know, I still was determined. And, you know, and then I apologized at the end of that. But it's like, why do I even get worked up about that? Just listen to the spiel. Let her practice with you. Yeah. And you say, no. Just listen, Becky, you're driving to work out. You have nothing else to do for the next 15 minutes. Unlimited minutes. Just talk on the phone and let her do it. Why is your you time so limited? Unlimited sober? minutes with bondage. Yeah, exactly. And I could have gotten, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just like, let it go. Let it go, Becky. You know, I'll be released in this. <laughs> Yesterday, I, I, oh well, it's been... Um, Yesterday is when it hit me. I met somebody that was a friend of a friend, and um, and we know this friend is not a believer, and um, and they've been friends since like high school, middle school, and it's amazing. They're in their 50s, and it's amazing. Just looking at the two ladies, I'm not saying the uh, the friend of the friend looks older than her age, or this was my friend looks so much younger than her age. I'm not sure what it is, but it is obvious that they are. It looks that they're not the same age. And so there's a little phrase that I have used for years and I'm sure my mama said it to me and maybe you guys have heard it is um I mean she's just been ridden hard and put up wet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, a little while later whatever and, and I'm talking to, I mean and I'm 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 not and I'm it's not that I'm saying it. I don't mean it to be derogatory. I mean I know that's pretty derogatory, but I'm not saying it like in a critical I mean it's just a I guess because I've heard it so much, just kind of, it just is an easy, you know, you cut to the bottom line of what that means.
2: Had a hard life.
0: Exactly. <laughs> had a hard life. She's had a hard life. I mean, some of her own choices, some not of her own choice. I mean, had a hard life. And, um, and so I tell my friend that, you know, and a very kind and gracious, and we're talking about salvation and how can we lead her to Christ and what is, how can we pray for her, you know, those kind of things. And she said, you know, that's really interesting. Because my friend said the same thing about you. (laughs) And I'm like, that I was written hard and put up wet? I mean, I got so (laughs) defensive. I got so bowed up. So what did you say? Well, and and my friend had never, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, do I look like I've been written hard and put up wet? My friend, she really had never heard that saying before. And, um, man, I mean, it really, I'm still processing through, you're probably not going to be hurt if I tell you this, but my friend says that you've been, and and the friend meant it more, just it's been obvious that she's been through a lot in her life, I mean, it's obvious that, you know, she didn't grow this perfect life, and, and I don't even know how, I mean, we were together for an hour and a half, I don't even know, I'm like, what did I say, you know? You know, but, anyways, but man, it convicted me. But that's one of those things Jesus probably wouldn't say, <laughs> Oh, Lord, she has been ridden hard and put up wet. I mean, I'm just bless her heart. I'm sure that the Lord would not say that. So that exactly, yeah. God, God, love her. God, love her. So, anyways, so we all have that hour and a half, two hours of our day that really, God. I mean, how fun would it be if we really, and praise the Lord, there was a time in my life that it was 20 hours, you know, because I slept four. I mean, maybe that would be like you know, 20 hours that were decent. I mean, they were awful. That none of it at all, you know, praise the Lord. And I want it to be, you know, maybe next year it's going to be, you know, 22 and 45 minutes. And then the next year, 22 and 50 minutes. You know, I mean, I want it always constantly transformation that goes in us. But people would see it, and lives would be changed. Lastly, and this is where it's so important, we must minister that others may know God. We must minister that others may know God. And this kind of talks about what I shared about um, um, Psalm 40 where he's given us a a new song and others will see and trust in the Lord. Um, Romans 10, um, 14 and 15. And this is really the whole life cycle. Um, Well, 13 says this. We must minister that others may know God. Oh, five is we must testify before others. And then six is we must minister to others who may know God. In Romans 10, 13 says this for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 14. How then will they call on him? How on how, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good good news. That's the complete cycle. That is the cycle of life. That's how he decided to redeem the world. I mean, he could have done it in a thousand million, quadrillion different ways. But he chose to save the world through us. Through us being transformed, through us being changed, through us being um, testifying to others, and then us ministering to others. I mean, this is talking about very obviously a mission statement and very much, you know, evangelism. How are they going to know if we don't send them? But I really want to encourage you girls this week. Um, I want you to consider volunteering, and you probably some of you already might be, but, you know, I just want you to volunteer at First Houston's First Baptist and encourage friends to volunteer at Houston First Baptist. We have so many, many opportunities. And just to help us kind of expand that, what we're going to do um, once a month between now and Christmas is we're going to have um, a ministry team a person from a ministry area come in and just share once. I mean, just once a month between now and then. Just talk about an area. The Welcome Center. We're going to talk about preschool. Stevens, of course, preschool because that's you know, next to my heart. You know, and um, preschool. Minute. I can't remember what the other, the fourth one that we thought we were going to do. Anyways, we're going to have them come in and yeah, have them come in and share about what's going on and plug us in. And um, because we've got to minister, we have to give back. And um, in our culture today, so often we just want to sit and soak. And it's like, you know, and there might be a season where you need a Sabbath or whatever. You need to, but man, I mean, even when you're in the midst of those difficulties and struggles, you know, to turn around and, and reach out, you know, to, to an owl, you know, take one worship service um, a month and go and just hold babies and deal with two-year-olds and three-year-olds and, you know, whatever the Lord calls you on that. Or that you do the greeting, you know, Um uh, Vicki greets on a regular basis, and, um, you know, just, I mean, how hard is it to stand at the door and say, hey, thanks for coming in, thanks for being so here today, easy. yeah, and yeah. what a blessing. It says that, you know, where is the passage, I can't remember where this
1: is, it says that about the reward that you get for something, that if you're doing it for yourself, that's your yeah, reward. Yeah, you got there reward. Well, I'm getting my reward. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, totally, yeah,
0: right, it is, it is, and, you know, you, you have that reward, yeah, we do. it then. if you get if someone if someone um, two friends were on the platform and 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 they were worship leaders and, a, and the pastor praised one of the 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 lady, and she turned to the guy and said, um, uh, "I just got all my rewards, you know, because if you're you know if you're praised before man, you know that's a blessing." in man. you're not, you know, I don't. want, It's like I don't want the praise. I don't want to know all that. And you give God the glory. So um, just encourage us to you know give back and you know and we really can. Um, makes such a difference. And, and our church is not a volunteer-driven church, which I the other church I attended was a mega-church and it was very much a volunteer-driven church. We're not as much a volunteer-driven church. and um, But I, I know pastor's heart and, and leadership's heart to want to change that and become more volunteer-driven and be more committed to that. And that's finding what our passions are, finding what our heart are, and plugging in into those kind of things. And then it becomes, no, I'm not going to, you know. I mean, for me, you know, for me involved in preschool, because I love little kids because it's such a, um, yeah, I mean, like in all this work that I did for the thing, it's like they will never be able to thank me. I mean, they don't know to thank me, you know, and so it's just totally doing it as just a blessing to them and, and to walk through the old preschool halls and to think about all the pitter-patter, that the Lord still hears the pitter-patter of the 30 years of little kids walking through that preschool suite that, you know, 30 years ago, they walked through it, and, and now they're walking through it. You know, they walked through as a little toddler, and now they're walking through it with the kids, and the Lord knows all those little And So anyways, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. I thank you for these ladies. Thank you for their tenderness and their heart towards you, and I just pray you'll um, bless our week, Lord, and you would continue to show us how we can minister to others, testify to others, be transformed. No, not rebuke against afflictions lord but just welcome them knowing that you'll be faithful in those afflictions to change us and that we'd quickly learn and not have to suffer as many consequences lord Lord, i pray for the needs that are in the class whether it's um may going off and just stuff that's at work and wendy and and her dad and and jennifer and um just meeting the teachers i mean the students i mean the parents on the 19th lord i pray for favor lord that it just would be a great time father and that she would um the teachers the parents would automatically just trust her with these little kids, and, and they'll be faithful to that. and pray for Vicky's week as she heads into back to school and all that's required with um, and free tax day that's happening next week, Father, that you would um, bless that time. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.